0: Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Worcester Talking Newspaper, recorded at Colin Chan's house on Thursday the 14th of March. I'm Jenny Tansey, and with me reading the news are... Sue Perry, Gloria Chapman,
1: Kate Hudman.
0: This week's engineer is Barry Hurd, standing in for Nigel, who's on holiday. Carol Hartle is working on the administration. And this week's copying team are Bernard and Doran, Doreen Potter and Janet Bailey. Thanks to Worcester News for all our information. The headlines this week are... Mayhem at McDonald's, Inseparable, Roundabout Crash Fears, Pray for Oscar, City University Student Jailed Over Death Crash, and Don't Give Cash to Beggars. We have an announcement, not everyone wants to hear the obituaries, so so for those who do, they are now read after the final music has been played at the end of the... um, ...at the end of the session. So we'll go straight on to the headlines and pass you over to Sue. And the
2: first headline is Mayhem at McDonald's. A McDonald's manager has called for police action on youths... ...causing chaos in the city centre. Natalie Butler, a manager at McDonald's in the Fourgate Worcester... ...said children have been smoking cannabis... ...and playing chicken with buses outside the restaurant... West Mercia Police said it is currently serving criminal behaviour orders on some of the individuals involved. Chief Inspector Sean Kent, who handles local policing in South Worcestershire, said officers had been working with McDonald's to tackle the problems, resulting in a significant drop in the number of incidents at the site. He added... Worcester Licensing Team and Safer Neighbourhood Officers have maintained a close working relationship with the management team at McDonald's for a number of months now. This has involved a number of meetings and regular contact with them. The very location in the centre of town means it is often used as a meeting place for young people, many of whom cause no problems whatsoever. Those that are identified are dealt with using the antisocial behaviour process. This includes intervention and engaging in a diversionary process with partner agencies. Some of the individuals involved are currently being served with criminal behaviour orders, which involve significant penalties if breached. Work in the area will continue and we will continue to enjoy a close working relationship with businesses and partner agencies. MacDonald said it was aware of long-term antisocial behaviour and was working to tackle it.
3: The headline for Saturday, March the 9th, inseparable. A couple are to be buried together after dying within weeks of each other. An inseparable city couple who were together for 64 years have died just a few weeks apart. The family of Tom and Iris Foote have now organised a double funeral so the couple will stay together even during their final goodbyes. Daughter, Emma Foote, said the pair lived a full life, adding, I always thought they would go together. The couple had been inseparable since meeting in 1955 and marrying after a whirlwind romance later that same year. They lived together in their Park Avenue home until Mr. Foote died on January the 25th at the age of 96, while Mrs. Foote died just three weeks later on February the 16th age 95. Their romance blossomed after they met in Nigeria, when Mr. Foote, who was born in Kent, was in the African country carrying out work for the Forestry Commission. They married at Worcester Registry Office in the June of that same year, and moved into their lifelong home after both returning to England. The pair both also volunteered as Samaritans taking calls to help people going through a tough time. Miss Foote said they went on to live a long, full life. On moving back to England, Dad decided to go into teaching, even at one point teaching at a school in the East End, where they rented a second home. He also taught at Worcester Grammar School and a school in Hanley Castle. The couple also went out to Libya as Mr. Foote was teaching at an English school there, and this was at the time of Gaddafi coming to power in 1969. Miss Foote said, They were there a year but had to flee to Malta, and then came back to England. My dad continued to teach at Four Dwellings School in Birmingham before his retirement in 1987. Mrs. Foote was born in London Road in 1923 and was one of the first pupils to go to St Mary's Convent School. During the Second World War, she was a dispatch rider for the fire service, while Mr Foote was a navigator. Miss Foote added, People will know my mum. During her life, she worked at Worcester Porcelain Factory and was in Worcester Operatic Society. The couple are survived by their children, Emma and Timothy. The pair's joint funeral will be taking place at St George's Catholic Church in Sansom Walk from noon on Friday, March the 22nd. The family say everyone is invited to attend the funeral and The Wake, their Park Avenue house that follows.
1: The headline for Monday, March the 11th. Roundabout crash fears. A councillor has raised concerns about the dangerous closure of a roundabout slip lane and there have been reports of a number of near misses that could have been serious crashes. Locals have told the Worcester News about several near misses and even one crash on the Powick roundabout since the lane closure on Wednesday night. Worcestershire County Council shut the road between Teamside Way and Malvern Road as part of the Southern Link Road Improvement Project. County Councillor Tom Wells, who represents POIC, said, It's really dangerous. Drivers are now required to stop at the junction. The angle is such that they have to turn their heads 180 degrees to see what's coming from the roundabout. I'm not surprised there have been accidents. The councillor said a large digital sign informing drivers about the change was set up ahead of the roundabout after he raised concerns with the council on Thursday. He added that the county council had a record for causing chaos at roundabouts, (laughs) such as the Whittington and Ketch Islands. Councillor Wells said, Once again, the council has failed to understand the implications of its change to a roundabout on this route, the A440. Four years ago, the Ketch roundabout was subject to very dangerous new signage. It was after my campaign that they were prepared to change the road markings. It's a similar situation to that of the Whittington roundabout, which was also messed up. One reader said they saw a two-car crash at the roundabout between the Team Sideway and Malvern Road Junction on Thursday. The driver, who blamed the crash on the closure of the slip road, added the front car had damage to its rear right side, which you would have, would have if you were going left at the roundabout and a car was coming round. Councillor Ken Pollock... Worcestershire County Council's Cabinet Member for Economy and Infrastructure said signs were in place to warn drivers of the changes at the roundabout. The dedicated dedicated left-turn slip road at Poick roundabout for motorists travelling westbound along the southern link road and turning towards Malvern has been closed to allow the construction of a site entrance for phase four of the southern link road works, he said. Motorists can still make a left turn but need to give way before joining the roundabout and making the manoeuvre. Signage was placed on site before the new configuration was introduced to advise motorists that there is a new road layout and a requirement to give way at the roundabout. Our contractor always keeps its traffic management arrangements under review and having observed traffic they have installed additional signage on the approach to the junction. The changes are expected to remain in place until 2021. Worcestershire County Council said the new setup went through a safety review process. A spokesman for the council said the current junction configuration will be in place for the duration of Phase 4 of the Southern Link Road improvement works until they are completed in 2021. The headline for
0: Tuesday, March the 12th is Pray for Oscar. Parents of a five-year-old boy with leukaemia have asked people to pray for our bear after his latest treatment failed to work. Oscar Saxoby-Lee from Worcester has been in the news across the world after thousands of people attended testing events in the city to see if they could be a stem cell donor to help him beat an aggressive form of blood cancer. Young people in Worcester... Had the opportunity to support the global appeal for five year old Oscar S- Saxby Lee as a donor recruitment event today. The event was held from 10 till 6 p.m. on March the 14th at the main reception and the Students' Union at the St. John's campus. The Anthony Nolan Register, which uses its register to match potential stem cell donors to blood cancer patients is in desperate need of a transplant, is asking as many people between the ages of 16 and 30 to come forward and sign up. Karen Archer, Regional Register Development Manager at Anthony Nolan said, We are delighted that the University of Worcester Students' Union has been inspired to encourage people to sign up as donors. Every day, five people will start their search for a matching stranger who might save their life. Each person who signs up has the potential to help save someone in desperate need of a life-saving stem cell transplant. We're also particularly calling on young men aged between 16 and 30 to consider joining the Anthony Nolan Register, as young men provide 50% of all stem cell donations but make up just 18% of our register. A Worcester University student has been
2: jailed for careless driving following her role in a crash which killed a cyclist. Balvinda Sanger and former University of Worcester student Emily Wilkinson were jailed at Worcester Crown Court on Monday following the death of David Forthrop of Barnt Green, known as Ross to family and friends. Both defendants had denied causing death by careless driving, but were convicted by a jury at their trial. Members of Mr Forthorpe's family, including his widow, read out victim personal statements before the pair were jailed. Wilkinson, aged 21, of Chestnut Drive Hagley, wept throughout the hearing while 46-year-old Sanger of Old House Lane, Romsley, near Bromsgrove, also appeared emotional as she spoke about the, the impact of the loss. The 58-year-old was killed when Wilkinson pulled out of a junction in romsley hales and hit Sanger's Ford Transit van, causing it to spin into Mr Forthrop. The court heard that Sanger was driving at 46 miles an hour above the 30 30- mile an hour speed limit when the crash happened and that Wilkinson had not checked the road was clear before pulling out in her silver Vauxhall Courser. Mr Forthrop suffered multiple injuries including the incident in Bromsgrove Road. Hales Owen at 7.40am on June the 15th 1917. An ambulance arrived but his condition deteriorated and he died. Mr Forthrop's widow, Linda, married to him for 32 years, described him as a kind, loving and valued member of society and a wonderful role model to their two children, Mark and Matt. She described how the construction manager's death had shattered her family and that telling her children of his death was the hardest thing she had ever had to do, knowing she would have to break their hearts. Mrs Forthrop described how the devastation just grew and grew and that Sanger and Wilkinson had taken away their hopes and dreams when they killed him. We are now tortured by questions. Did he know he was going to die? How much pain was he in? A witness confirmed he was screaming in pain, said Mrs Forthrop. The choices of these two careless people led to my husband dying at the side of the road in agony without his family his widow also described how the defendants had added insult to injury by pleading not guilty forcing them to go through a trial and said they have shown no remorse to us his sons also prepared a victim personal statement which was read to the court they said The decision to plead not guilty was one final insult to our family. The statement said they would never know why Wilkinson did not see the van as she pulled out of the junction and said the poor choices of both drivers had caused their dad's death. Sophie Murray for Wilkinson said her client had written a letter to the family setting out her remorse and sheer desolation at what had befallen the family. She has accepted her responsibility She lives with that every day. Miss Murray said Wilkinson had expressed a wish that she could take Mr Forthrop's place as a result of the incident and it had severely affected her mental health. The court heard that Wilkinson had been diagnosed with anxiety and depression. She had undertaken a university placement at a primary school and was of previous good character. A character reference from the University of Worcester was also provided on her behalf by Miss Murray. Kevin Hegarty, for Sanger, said his client had been on the correct side of the road, was in complete control of the vehicle and was not under the influence of drink or drugs. He said it was the combination of his carelessness and that of Wilkinson which had caused Mr Forthrop's death. Judge Jim Tyndall praised the dignity sorry, the dignified way Mr Forthrop's family had behaved during the trial. He said, "'What can I possibly say that not, has not been said already?' "'As they absolutely rightly say nothing, "'I say or do today will make any difference. "'It's tempting to say, "'if only you had shown the degree of insight and remorse "'you are now beginning to show at an earlier stage.' "'The judge said perhaps they had each convinced themselves "'that the other one was purely to blame.' and that the jury had no trouble seeing through that. He jailed Sanger for 12 months and banned him from driving for three years. An extra six months was added to the length of the ban, so that the three-year ban will begin when he is released from prison after serving half his sentence in custody. He also must complete an extended retest. Wilkinson was jailed for six months and banned from driving for two years. The ban was extended by three months, so it will begin when she is released at the halfway point on her sentence.
3: The headline for Thursday, March the 14th, Don't Give Cash to Beggars. A former drug addict who says she was a master manipulator when asking for money on the streets has urged people not to give cash to beggars and instead donate to services which help homeless people. Rosie Kirkham, aged 54, used hard drugs, including heroin, for 25 years and says she told outrageous lies when begging for money. Now a support worker at St Paul's Hostel for homeless people in Worcester, Rosie said she wants people to understand the reality of drug taking and begging and think twice about giving money directly to someone on the street. Writing for the Worcester News, she said, I was a drug addict for 25 years and for the last eight of those, I injected drugs into my groin because my other veins could not take a needle. I worry for the public who are used and manipulated as a money-making tool and lied to. I am giving an honest account of my experience. Please think twice about giving money directly It is much better to donate to a homeless charity. I know these people have been very damaged, often at an early age. Heroin was my drug of choice. It took everything from me. It's a soul-destroying, lonely and wretched way of life. Not all beggars are rough sleepers. The problem is most people do not know the difference and can be manipulated. I did this. I became a master manipulator and a great storyteller. All of us knew the type of person to target. I would tell anyone who might listen to me the most outrageous lies. All I could think about was the money I could make. When I had begged enough for the drugs, I would go and buy them, then return to my pitch to beg and continue the perpetual cycle. During this time, I had accommodation in a number of hostels and bed and breakfasts but I would always end up leaving as I would not part with a small top-up to stay. This was because my drugs came first. I would manipulate people who were trying to help me and would leave, preferring to keep the money for my drugs. There is never any need to give money to a person sitting or begging on the street. There are many, many soup kitchens in Worcester, so a person will not go hungry. I want to remove the myth that is often heard or told, a homeless person cannot get benefits because they do not have an address. Mag's Day Centre provide the address where mail can be sent, such as letters from DWP, and they help to apply for benefits. St Paul's Hostel is the address people can also use if they are staying there, and the staff help, make a, help them to make a benefit claim, open a bank account and any other help. Please don't be fooled. I see many well-meaning people wanting to help the homeless, but until the person addresses their addiction, they are, as that old saying goes, putting the cart before the horse. The drug services in Worcester, run by Swanswell, are very good and the Worcester public need to know that. As for me, it's now six years since I left that life behind. I found help through St Paul's Hostel and their trauma-informed system works. I had cognitive behavioural therapy from their counsellor and through the positive relationships... I developed there I started to get better. In 2017 I found my own home. Now I am happy to say that I work for St Paul's Hostel as a project worker. I am now the productive member of society that I yearned to be all those years ago but never ever thought it possible. Instead of giving cash to beggars, Rosie urges people to donate to the Worcester Care scheme instead to help fund services for homeless people. A small donation makes an enormous difference. £2 can pay for a meal, and £5 provides services to get someone off the street. You can donate £2 by texting texting WORC02 or £5 by texting WORC05 to 70070.
1: And now some of their stories you may find interesting. A councillor has warned that cuts to youth services must be reversed to prevent a, f- a spike in crime. Peter MacDonald blamed a national increase in youth crime on austerity and said alarm bells should be ringing in Worcestershire. The country has been rocked by a spate of stabbings in recent weeks although knife crime in Worcester actually fell from 106 offences in the year ending September 2017 to 87 crimes in the year ending October 2018. Knife crime in West Mercia also dropped from 477 offences in 2017 to 448 crimes in 2018. Mr Macdonald, the former leader of the County Council's Labour Group, said A recent survey of youth workers across the UK by Unison has found that 83% of respondents said cuts to services had led to increased local crime and antisocial behaviour around stations, shops and parks. You did not need to be expert in this area to predict that if you closed down youth centres you would be throwing young people onto the streets and there would be consequences. The very fact that youth centres were funded by the local authorities in the first place was to get young people off off the streets and help young people gain self-confidence and self-esteem and be away from criminal activities. The County Council has been relentless in closing down youth centres as well as libraries and children's services. The alarm bells are ringing all around us. It's time the County Council knocked on the door of number 10 Downing Street and got more money for Worcestershire. Worcestershire County Council was unavailable for comment.
0: Up to 12 people were injured and a woman was trapped inside her car following a pile-up involving five vehicles. Ambulances, fire crews and police were called to the scene on the B4084 near Glacier Window Suppliers in Drake's Broughton following the crash around 8.30am. A motorist involved in the collision but who did not wish to be named said the pile-up started from another car crashed into the back of him. He believes it was initially caused by a driver attempting to turn right A woman was stuck inside her car and has been taken to hospital, though her injuries are not believed to be serious. A Hereford and Worcester Fire Control spokesman said, We got a call at 8.43 and sent crews from Evesham and Worcester. We are dealing with an RTC involving five vehicles and up to 12 casualties were involved. We're currently working on an extraction from a vehicle. A spokesman for West Mersey Ambulance Service said, At 8.31 we were called to the B4084 near Glacier Windows. We have been made aware of a multi-vehicle collision. We sent two ambulances and a paramedic officer to the scene. We have treated two patients, one who has been discharged and one woman who is treated for injuries which are not believed to be serious, but she was taken to Worcestershire Royal Hospital for further assessment. A staff member at the Plough and Harrow pub near to where the crash took place said there was heavy traffic but the road wasn't closed.
2: Worcester Real Ale fans have joined forces with city landlords and brewers to stage a brand new pub beer festival. The festival has been organised by the Worcester branch of CAMRA and brings together a dozen city venues. The venues taking part are the Arch Rivals, the Cardinal's Hat the Dragon Inn, the Eagle Vaults, the Firefly, the Imperial, the King Charles II, the Oil Basin, the Paul Pry, the Plough, the Sociable Beer Company and the Worcester Brewing Company. Organisers promise over 120 beers and ciders, some never seen before in the city. Some of the venues will also be recommending beers and ciders to go with the food they have available and some venues will have live entertainment. All are within a mile of Foregate Street Station and the city's bus station and organisers hope that beer and cider fans from across the Midlands and beyond will visit the city. Stephen Connolly of Camera said, I have been toying with the idea of of a pubs festival in Worcester for a few years. We decided to just have 12 venues in the city centre this time because we want to encourage people to come from outside the city and these venues are all easy walking distance from public transport. We will be looking at having more pubs taking part in future years. Camera volunteers will be meeting and greeting visitors outside Fourgate Street Station and a special booklet will be available profiling the venues along with a map to help visitors find them. The event, on Friday, March the 29th to Sunday, March the 31st, follows a recent explosion of new pubs and breweries in the city. The popular annual Camera Beer, Cider and Perry Festival will still be taking place in, the, in August at Pitchcroft.
3: Georgie's Brave School Walk Little Georgie Gibbs stole the hearts of viewers across the country after appearing on a television show that followed a year of her journey. The six-year-old's first walk to school was screened on This Time Next Year, the ITV show hosted by Davina McCall, that followed the family over the course of a year. The show began with Georgie, who has spastic diplegic cerebral palsy, making her pledge to make the walk without sticks and when she returned a year later, there were cheers as she walked out on stage. The presenter, who called the youngster a fighter, asked, I have to ask Georgie, did you manage to walk to school without your sticks? And there was big applause from the audience when she replied yes. Footage from the video diary was shown, and captured the moment Georgie set off to her first school walk to Oldbury Park Primary School, alongside big sister Ella. Mum Claire said, I'm just so proud of my little girl, I knew she would do it. And Davina asked the city youngster, was that really hard? To which she replied yes. After hearing about her new love for swimming and gymnastics, The presenter joked Georgie should come back every year so they could keep setting her challenges. Georgie first made headlines after her parents, Claire and Carl Gibbs, launched the Help Georgie campaign in 2015. The campaign succeeded in ensuring that Georgie was able to have a pioneering operation to allow her to walk unaided. Georgie underwent a selective dorsal rhizotomy in 2016. The show is available now on ITV Catch-Up.
1: A new therapeutic learning provision is set to open for students struggling to fit into mainstream education. Sarah Mumford Khan, 39, will run a new therapeutic provision called NABLE, which aims to provide a home-from-home learning environment for those students who suffer with high anxiety and stress levels, mental health issues, behavioural problems or psychological and emotional issues uh, and those who find the social pressures difficult to manage at school. Enable will take place on the top floor of a new three-storey building along the Bath Road and will run from 10 till 2pm Tuesdays, Wednesdays and Thursdays with a focus on English and Maths for children aged 11 to 25. Sarah, who is also director of Kip McGrath Education Centre, Worcester North and Worcester South, said, as a qualified foster carer, I have completed extensive training in understanding attachments and trauma in children and having seen over 600 students come through the doors at Kip McGrath During the last four and a half years, I have been made aware of a real need to provide an alternative learning environment for some of our children in this city. I am looking to support Worcestershire's looked after children in the care system, including adopted children, those with special guardianships and children who are in foster care. There are many children who are struggling to settle in the mainstream environment and attending school each day becomes a huge battle for both them and their parents. These children are very capable and have the ability to achieve GCSEs but are unable to learn in the environment they're in due to social and emotional struggles, she added. Sarah aims to continue support once these students finish their GCSEs and move on into adult life, university living, independent living and colleges. Sarah said, I want Enable to offer practical support to these students that is ongoing after they have finished school. This would be to offer a service with form filling, applications, job interviews, uniforms, provide transport for their belongings and ultimately to set them up with host families for when they come back from university. I want Enable and our staff to be the advocates for these children that often feel like they have no one else. Sarah said she hoped pupils may be able to fund the places using money received by schools, care homes or adoptive parents. The climber who found the body
0: of George Mallory, one of the two men to first climb Mount Everest, will be heading to Malvern this spring to talk about life on the edge. A spokesman said, considered one of the greatest world, sorry, considered one of the world's greatest climbers and mountaineers of our time, Conrad Anker has numerous first ascents to his name, including the focus of the stunning feature film Maru as he led the first successful ascent of the hugely challenging Himalayan Maru Central Pillar. Conrad also led led the expedition to locate the body of Andrew Irving on Everest from the fateful 1924 summit attempt by George Mallory and Irving. In 1999, Conrad led the Mallory and Irving Research Expedition, with the sole aim of solving what is perhaps one of the mountaineering's most compelling and greatest mysteries whether the two climbers had been the first to summit mount everest in their 1924 attempt hoping to locate Irvine's body believed to possess a camera which might hold a photograph of the two men on the summit on may the 1st 1999 conrad found a body at 8155 meters on the north face but was surprised to discover it was Mallory, not Irving. The research expedition team interned Mallory where he lay. The spokesman added, later that same year, elite climbers Alex Lowe and Conrad set off with cameraman David Bridges on what would become their own tragic expedition to become the first Americans to ski descent—sorry, to ski descend—from the summit of Shishapangma at 8,013 metres, the world's 14th highest peak, a descent to be filmed by David for an NBC documentary. When an avalanche crashed over them, despite suffering lacerations to the head, broken ribs and a dislocated shoulder, Conrad stayed on the mountain to lead a two-day rescue attempt to find Alex and David to no avail. The two men were found 17 years later, by Uli Steck, another elite climber who died in a fall on Everest in 2017. The Hold Fast Tour comes to Malvern Theatres on April the 4th. And for tickets, call 01684-892277.
2: Part of a former city park and park and ride site is to be sold off by the council after it was denied surplus to requirements. Worcester City Council has decided to put the remainder of the former Purdiswell Park and Ride site up for sale after selling more than half of the land to the government for a new primary school. Roughly two acres of currently unused land on the site would be up for sale or long-term lease from the council. The land had not been included for development in the South Worcestershire Development Plan, but a number of uses have been outlined by the Council, including possible housing, leisure, offices and retail facilities. Private talks of a major multi-million pound overhaul of the site and part of Purdiswell Park, including a housing development of between 250 and 300 houses and a boating lake, were held in 2017. A report to be discussed by the Council's Policy and Resources Committee said there were no known obvious constraints to the building on the site the Council asked Consultants Fischer-German to carry out soft marketing of the site in December last year to look for informal interest. Whilst the Council is not prepared to reveal the results of the report, which was compiled throughout January and February, it said that a clear interest had been shown in the site for a variety of purposes. Part of the site has been used by Warndon Villages Football Club, but its licence runs out in August. If councillors decided against putting the site up for sale, the land would be put forward as part of the Council's review of the South Worcestershire Development Plan. Based on feedback, the Council expects to receive a significant amount of money through its sale, but no concrete amount has been assumed in any of the Council's planning. While the site is vacant, Council is responsible for security and ongoing business rates. The rateable value of land has not been reassessed following the sale of part of the site for the new primary school, but it is estimated to be around twelve thousand pounds a year. The council told three of the five acres sold three of the five acres of the site off which Road to the community secretary last year to be used for North Worcestershire Primary Academy School. The 420 pupil school which will be run by the Rivers Church of England Academy Trust is due to open in time for the new school year in September. It is hoped that the new school will ease the demand for places in the north of the city after pupils in Clains and Northwick struggled to find places at schools near their homes and the Cherry Tree Park and Cherry Orchard developments in Beverley were built. The council's possibility Policy and Resources Committee meets next Tuesday, March the nineteenth, to decide. A
3: county swimming competition is having to be held in Wolverhampton because a Worcester pool charges too much. Vivian Hewitt, who represents Worcester County Swimming Association, said Freedom Leisure would not allow the group to hire the pool at Purdiswell Leisure Centre for the six days a year needed to host competitions because of the loss of income from not being able to hold swimming lessons at the same time. Mrs Hewitt called on the council to do whatever it could to help the club secure the hire of Purdy's Well. She said, "'All we are asking for is access for two weekends a year "'and two separate days. "'That's a total of six days per year,' at sensible, competitive charges for a facility that serves the citizens of Worcester for 362 days a year. In January, for the first time since the pool opened, we managed to hire the pool for part of our championships, one weekend only. We have just been refused two weekends for 2020. Mrs Hewitt said... Worcester County Swimming Association has previously had to travel to Staffordshire to hold its county championships because the old Sansom walk pool was not fit for competition. She hoped the days of travelling away would end when Purdy's well pool opened, but that had not been the case. Speaking to Worcester City Council's Communities Committee on Tuesday, March 12th, Mrs Hewitt said Freedom Leisure was quoting prohibitive charges for hiring the poor, as well as charging for room hire, rubbish removal and for loss of income. She said Worcester County Swimming Association had been quoted £6,000 for hiring the poor for a weekend in January, compared to £3,000 in Wolverhampton. Mrs. Hewitt said charging for loss of income on top of very expensive hire charges was hard to swallow. Mrs. Hewitt said swimming associations across the country book pools for championship competitions a year in advance, and most pools work swimming lessons around those times. She said we are at a loss as to why this cannot happen at Purdy's well. Our swimming association is non profit making funded by swimmers and parents, keeping thousands of local young people active, healthy and off the streets, producing a huge public health benefit to the population at no cost to this authority. Mrs Hewitt said Worcester County Swimming Association tried to keep entry fees as low as possible, but had lost 354 of its 2,000 registered members last year, largely due to cost... She said other swimming clubs in Worcestershire tell us they'd also like to use the pool for competition but they are either told they can't or find the charges far too expensive
1: A new walking route which takes in the history of Great Morven has been recognised by the Heritage UK Awards Great Morven Route to the Hills has been shortlisted in the Must Visit, Contribution to Heritage and Best Family Day Out categories at the event on Monday, March 25th. The awards recognise places contributing to the world of heritage and are open to all historical houses, heritage gardens, museums and archaeological sites. The Route to the Hills Trail was officially launched last year and encapsulates Great Malvern's history through a series of wall and floor plaques, benches, signs and art installations. Starting at Great Malvern Railway Station, the route tells stories of the town's past, including its unique geological medieval beginnings, Victorian water, water cure developments, musical, literary, and visual arts and world-changing scientific and technological innovations. The Heritage Lottery funded project has been led by Malvern Hills District Council and involved nine other organisations. Councillor David Watkins, Chairman of the Project Board said it is wonderful news to hear the Great Malvern Route to the Hills has been recognised by three different categories at the Heritage UK Awards. A lot of time, research and hard work went into the project, which has enabled both residents and visitors to connect with the town's rich history. The route has become a lasting legacy for the town, which I am com- confident will be enjoyed for years to come.
0: Residents have voted in favour of plans for the biggest permanent parking scheme in the city. More than 700 people voted for the scheme, which covers the Arboretum area of the city. Counter, count, sorry, county Councillor Matthew Jenkins said the scheme will stop the area from being used as a free car park for the city centre. He added, People have talked about an Arboretum parking scheme for about 30 years. Now it's definitely going to happen. There were 709 votes in favour and 33 against. Just under 61% of people returned their voting slips. We had to have over 50% returned. And of those returns, over 80% had to be in favour of the plan. It will be the biggest parking scheme in Worcester by a long way. The votes had to be returned by March the 4th, and Councillor Jenkins found out about the result on March the 7th. He thanked the Arboretum Residents Association for helping him to deliver voting slips to the 1,220 homes on the affected streets. The Councillor added, we would knock on their doors, and if someone was in, we would hand a slip to them. Sometimes people were happy to sign it while we, and then hand it over, and they would post it back, or we would collect it. The councillor will now, sorry, the, yeah, the councillor will now meet with the county council officer to thrash out the details of the scheme, including whether certain streets should have visitors' bays. The subsequent plan will then go out for consultation. Councillor Jane Skins expects the scene, scheme to be in place by the end of October.
2: Do I stop? Um, we're going to have some sport now. So this is a, an article um, relating to rugby and Worcester Warriors. Worcester Warriors face up to six weeks without injured hooker Jack Singleton, but a world record breaker looks set to step into the breach Since going away with USA last month, Joe Taufaites has written his name into the history books by becoming the leading front row try scorer in international rugby. The 26-year-old surpassed Ireland legend Keith Wood's long-standing record haul of 15 tries with a hat-trick against Uruguay in the America's Rugby Championship. Fresh from bagging a brace in the win over Canada to increase his tally to 20 touchdowns in 22 internationals, Tofeti is due to come back to Worcester later this week. His return to Six Ways comes at an ideal time for Warriors who are embroiled in a relegation battle in the Gallagher Premiership and have been hit by Singleton's injury. Singleton damaged his elbow in the 17-6 defeat at Newcastle Falcons two weeks ago and boss Alan Solomons expects his first-choice hooker to be sidelined for more than one month. Jack doesn't require an operation which is really positive, Solomons said. Depending on how the injury heals, it will be between four and six weeks. Neil Annett stepped into Singleton's shoes and produced a man-of-the-match showing in Warriors' 33-30 defeat to Exeter Chiefs on Saturday. The Irishman had made a quicker-than-expected recovery from a shoulder injury to pack down for Worcester, but looked in discomfort when he left the field to be replaced by Isaac Miller. However, with Taufeti set to arrive, Solomon's Reckon's Warriors will be able to manage without Singleton as they look ahead to their meeting with Bristol Bears at Ashton Gate on Saturday, March 23rd. If you think about it, we have got Joe coming back and Neil got through his Saturday's game, Solomon said. Touch wood, Neil is going to be fine and Isaac is there as well, so we do have three hookers at the moment. Jack is not that far off. He missed this week, so that's one week, and we haven't got a game next weekend. He is then two weeks away from possibly playing. It might be a wee bit longer, but he is certainly going to be back before the end of the season. Solomons was also impressed with the performance of Miller at the weekend, The 24-year-old has a torrid afternoon at Falcons, but did little wrong during his 17-minute cameo against Chiefs. I thought Isaac did really well, Solomon said. He hit all his line-outs and buzzed about the field. He's a good young player and was put in a very difficult position last week in a side that wasn't playing particularly well. Centre Francois von Taire had to be replaced after suffering a blow to his head, but Solomons praised Ollie Lawrence for the impact he made off the bench. Francois seemed all right after the game, but he will have to go through the protocol, Solomons added. There is a two-week break before we play again, so that should give him ample time to recover. Having said that, I thought Ollie came on and did really well. We forgot that Ollie was at school last year, but I thought he had a really good game.
3: We stay with rugby, and this time in Droitwich. Director of rugby, Adam Drew, believes his Droitwich side has stepped up a gear after thumping old Halzonians 48-20 at the Glyn Mitchell Memorial Ground. Matt Hanford and Phil Horton bagged braces, and Dan Guest and Paddy Barrow cross the whitewash with Bobby Scott Walker and Chris Hooper sharing the kicking duties in the home triumph. Droitwich's second straight victory in Midlands 1 West saw them climb to ninth, 16 points clear of the bottom three with four games left. Drew said last month's defeats to lowly Moseley Oak and bottom club Morven had been a reality check for his team and he felt they had not looked back since then. We know the importance of coming away with points after the frustration of losing to Malvern and Moseley, and the lads have stepped up a gear now, Drew said. I think those two defeats hit us hard, and some of the lads realised that they needed to step up to stay in this league. New Bold and Old Hales weren't poor. We just stopped them from playing, which made it a bit easier for ourselves. Droitwich's next game is on Saturday, March 23rd, when they visit Stoke. And Drew believes his side have still got a lot of work to do to secure survival. A 16-point gap isn't a lot in the grand scheme of things, he added. We could slip up and all the teams behind us could win. We have just got to play what is in front of us and not worry about what's behind us. We could do without having this break this weekend, as it would be nice to get back playing against Stoke. But that's the case for almost every team. Eighth-placed Worcester eased to a 36-0 home win over Sutton Coldfield to move 10 points above their opponents. They led 15-0 in windy conditions after the first half with tries from Will Carroll and Ollie Meadows. Chris Gill drove over from close range to extend the lead and added a similar score with the pack inspired by prop Nick Lee's impact. The last try was from Will Trumper's 80-metre run. Basement boys more than slumped closer to confirmed relegation with a 43-5 beating at second from bottom Longton. They are back in action tomorrow with a rearranged home game against Hereford under the lights at Ledbury at 8 o'clock.
1: And now some cricket. Three Worcestershire players made half centuries and Charlie Morris claimed four wickets in a four-run win over Essex Eagles and a 50-over friendly. Daryl Mitchell, Josh Dell and George Rhodes starred with the bat at the Shake zayed stadium nursery ground in abu dhabi alongside a strong contribution from skipper joe leach their efforts helped rapids reach 293 for seven after leach playing his first match since suffering a stress fracture of the back last summer won the toss and elected to bat then morris got to work with the ball and in a thrilling finish eagles were bowled out for 289 in the 49th over New signing Ricky Wessels made his first appearance in County Colours and struck 22 after opening with Alex Milton, who scored eight. Wessels had joined up with his teammates after two games in the Pakistan Super League. After Ollie Westbury fell to Sam Cook, the middle order all weighed in with sizable contributions. Mitchell, the club's leading a run scorer in the county championship last summer, made 65. Dow matched Mitchell's efforts and then Rhodes struck 54 before Leach made 42, not out. Jamie Porter chipped in with three wickets and there was one apiece for Cook, Aaron Beard, Matt Coles and Paul Walter. In reply, former England Test captain Alistair Cook, 50, and Ryan, 10... Dushat, 62 were among the runs before wicketkeeper Adam Wheater made an unbeaten century but Morris chipped away at the batting and finished with 4 and 59 459 for 9 overs the other wicket takers were Josh Tongue 8 4 naught 50 and 2 Mitchell 6 122 and 1 Ben Toag, 9 0 44 and 1 and Brett D'Oliveira, 6-0, 44-2. The players have a warm weather training day before taking on Warwickshire in another 50-over game on Saturday.
0: A football hooligan who attacked Aston Villa mm. player Jack Grealish during Sunday's derby with Birmingham City has been jailed. Paul Mitchell, 27, of Cockhill Lane, Rubery, appeared before magistrates in Birmingham yesterday after running onto the field and punching the villa midfielder during the game at St Andrews. Mitchell was sentenced to 14 weeks in prison, along with a 10-year ban from attending any football match in the UK. He was also ordered to pay a victim surcharge of £150 as well as £100 to Mr Grealish. Magistrate Alison Fisher said... The sentence must act as a punishment and a deterrent to others in order to send a message to the public and fans and players like Mr Grealish who should be protected at all times.
2: A concert in Worcester's Huntingdon Hall will feature works by Purcell and Schubert but also works by two Worcestershire-based composers. On Sunday, March 24th, the Fitzwilliam Quartet will give a concert including music by Purcell and Schubert, but that will not be all. A spokesman said there will also be a short piece by Liz Johnson, who lives in West Malvern. Liz composed the Colwall Requiem for Aleppo and has been selected as one of the new voices of British music. The spokesman added Also being played by the Fitzwilliam is a string quartet by John Gibson, who lives in Colwall. The concert is the last of the Worcester Concert Club's current season. Given the featured composers from this area, it is to be hoped local residents will be interested enough to attend. It is seldom local composers are given the chance to shine by leading artists. Of the two past masters included in the programme, Purcell is regarded by many critics as the UK's great ever composer, above even Elgar and Vaughan Williams. Purcell died in 1695 at the height of the Baroque, but in modern times his Dido's Lament has won many new admirers, thanks in part to inspiring recordings from artists as diverse as Emma Kirkby and Jeff Buckley. Buckley, who came from a rock background, was able to tackle the haunting high notes because of the extraordinary range and expression of his voice. Schubert was one of the greatest Austrian composers of the Romantic period. Tickets are available from the box office at the rear of the hall or ordered by phone, telephone Worcester 61147 and collected on the day.
3: The Mayor of Worcester has encouraged men to get tested for prostate cancer after he attended a screening event in the city. Jabba Riaz was the first person to give a blood sample at Worcester Racecourse on Thursday evening and has said men need to stop refusing to take care of themselves. The annual event is hosted by Worcestershire Ambassadors and Worcestershire Prostate Awareness and saw 261 men attend this year. Councillor Riaz admitted he had reservations about being tested before going to the event. I turned 40 a year ago, and I had the same doubts as well, he said. Do I really need testing? I'm fit and healthy. The fact that you don't always know what the process involves, people think they are going to fiddle with your bits, but it's not like that. If there is something wrong and they catch it early, then something can be done to save your life. Some men think they are proving something by not looking after themselves. You are not proving anything by not going and doing this. You are more manly if you go and get tested. Rob North, who helped put on the event on behalf of Worcestershire Prostate Awareness, discovered he had aggressive prostate cancer, following a chance screening at a social event at Six Ways Stadium. He told us last year, Without going to that cancer screening, I wouldn't be here today. It basically saved my life. Councillor Riaz continued, These volunteers and these events that uh, that they are taking across the county are saving lives, and that's what it boils down to see. Two.
1: Improvement works in the Shambles and Church Street have begun this week. No comment. <laughs> the work follows the comp- completion of major works carried out in the area by 7 Trent Water. The scheme is being delivered by Worcestershire County Council in partnership with Worcester City Council, which is jointly funding the project. Councillor Ken Pollock County Cabinet Member for Economy and Infrastructure said, I'm delighted that work is beginning on this scheme. The planned works will significantly significantly improve this historic area of Worcester City and will also complement the improvements made in other areas of the city over the last few years. It is another example of our Town Centre Improvement Programme, which has been successful in other areas of the county. Councillor Adrian Gregson, Vice-Chair of the City's Place and Economic Subcommittee, said the work will help to ensure that the Shambles continues to be a vibrant place which people can want to shop in, visit and socialise in. Included in the scheme are plans to resurface the footways and the road, introduce segregated loading bays for delivery vehicles and the planting of trees, improvements to furniture and upgrading lighting.
0: There was disappointment for City singer Luke Swatman at the weekend after his run in The Voice UK competition came to an end. The 35-year-old appeared on the latest show screening on Saturday night and sadly for his fans it was revealed that he was eliminated at the battle round stage of the contest. Saturday's show saw the St John's resident known as Worcester's Pavarotti pitted against Nicola Dennis, another of American singer Jennifer Hudson's picks. The pair performed together, singing Elton John's classic, Your Song. But as team coach, she had to pick one contestant to take through to the next round. And despite another powerful performance, which received praise from Will I Am and Oily Mers, Mr Swatman narrowly missed out. The coach said she was extremely proud of Mr Swatman's performance, though described it as polished and almost perfect. After the show was screened, Mr. Swatman wrote on Twitter, Thank you all for your support. It's been an amazing journey. Thanks to Jennifer and Oily for turning for me and giving me the opportunity. Love to all my friends. Congratulations, Nicola. What a battle that was. Have the best time.
2: Pupils helped athletics legend Steve Cram to launch this year's Worcester City Runs. The popular event returns for the fifth year in September. The former Olympic runner and science ambassador, Lawrence Hatfield, of Air Products, met pupils from St Barnabas, C of E First and Middle School for the launch, which had a science theme in the lead-up to British Science Week. Pupils took part in a running training session and liquid nitrogen demonstrations with household items at the Stonebow Road School in Pershaw. They were also joined by Jennifer Kelly, founder of the Grace Kelly Childhood Cancer Trust, accompanied by Lily Filmer, a Year 3 pupil, who recently returned to the school after treatment for leukaemia. The Trust will be the event's official charity partner for 2019. The school's head teacher, Steve Booth, said... It's been great that Steve has been able to come to the school and share his experience with the children and help promote sport. He has been able to give the children an insight into his successes and has motivated lots of people today. A partnership between Worcester City Council and Events of the North, the event has its first title sponsor with Worcester-based industrial gases firm Air Products signing up to back the Worcester City Runs for three years. The Worcester City Half Marathon 10K and Young Athletes Run will take place on September 15th. This year the event will be extended over two days and will include a new Junior Challenge. Steve Cram said, The children have been fantastic. They were incredibly enthusiastic. It is great to see a school encouraging the kids to be healthy, fit and active. We hope a lot of them will come and take part in the event in September.
3: A retirement roadshow aimed at people over 55 is set to take place in Worcester for its ninth year. The Over 55's retirement roadshow run by the Worcestershire-based National Care Line is free to visit and takes place at the Guildhall from 9:30 to 2:30 p.m. on Saturday, March the 9th. Organizer of the National Care Line Retirement Roadshow Barbara Davies said, "You have to try your best at life and not waste it. I feel passionately about people and encourage everyone to age well. It is important to make time And look after yourself. Mrs. Davies, aged 67, added The Roadshow has grown over the years. It is a community project and makes a big difference. It is so humbling when you meet people and hear their stories. The Roadshow offers help and advice on the relevant issues concerning older people. Many issues facing people over 55 are are to be discussed and 10-minute appointments will be available to give attendees the chance to quiz experts one-on-one regarding particular concerns or specialist queries. City MP Robin Walker will show his support for the National Careline Retirement Roadshow. Mr Walker said, I think it's great to see local initiatives like the Retirement Roadshow boosting employment and volunteering opportunities for older people in the city. I have supported this campaign over a number of years and I'm happy to be supporting it once again and welcome the Roadshow back to Worcester. I am looking forward to attending the event and seeing the hard work being undertaken by local organisations for myself. Having a range of specialists under one roof Targeting a specific demographic presents a real opportunity to resolve any difficulties people may be having about particular age concerns such as legal affairs and pensions.
1: The Riverside Cafe in Worcester officially reopened last weekend and owner Alex Dorr said he is more excited than ever for when it fully opens at the end of the month. The cafe at North Quay had been closed since November last year but has been reopened by Mr. Dor 40, after he won a city council tender to take on the site. Mr. Dor said we had a soft launch on Sunday March the 3rd and had some really positive feedback from customers as well as some lovely reviews on our Facebook page. At the moment we are just opening at weekends so we can make sure everything is working properly but from April the 6th we will be opening the week every day. What we will be doing is regularly changing the menu slightly to make sure we are serving things which are in season and offering something slightly different. We are really interested in pushing our ethical food and drink so we Only use free-range eggs. All our coffee is either Fairtrade or Rainforest Alliance certified and we are really excited to be open. The cafe was originally opened by Chris Wise, who ran it alongside his partner Mandy Thomas for 12 years before deciding to close it in November last year.
0: A man from New York is hoping a picture of his father's wartime lover from Kidderminster will help him to finally track down the brother he never met. Donald Wright, 64, from Mattydale, US, wants to find his long-lost half-brother, believed to be named David Jones, after thinking about him for 30 years. Donald said, My father, Richard Thomas Wright, was in Kidderminster with the American 48th Field Hospital during World War II. He just came out and told me one day he'd had relations with a Mrs. Jones in Kidderminster and that they had a son together and called him David. I didn't press him about it at the time, but now I wish I had. He passed away in 2003. Then I had cancer last year and it woke me up. Donald's father, Richard, was stationed in Kidderminster for three months from April the 17th to July the 10th, 1944. Anyone with information can contact... Oh, 01384 358 262. Community organisations across
2: Worcestershire have been awarded more than £1.2 million in a lot national lottery funding. Among those benefiting is Disability Sport Worcestershire, which has been given £9,650 to set up a wheelchair rugby club at Purdiswell Leisure Centre. Kimberly Grenfell of the group said, We've held taster sessions over the past few months that have been so popular, where we've been seeing families, carers, and friends all get involved. It is a fantastic way of bringing people together to socialise, get fit, and learn new skills. ASPIE Limited, Worcester received £9,850 to create a decision-making application for people living with autism and friends of the 5th, also of Worcester, was given £10,000 to provide camping and outdoor equipment. The Oasis Academy in Warnden have been given... £9,610 to build a sensory garden and the Word Association Worcester £9,580 to encourage creative writing by those experiencing mental health problems. Age UK, Worcester and District was given £9,575 to develop a space for music and sports activities for older people. Evesham Bowling Club has been given £10,000 towards new kitchen units and toilets and the Garage Art Group, also based in Evesham, another £10,000 to stage art workshops and exhibitions for people with disabilities. Poolbrook Village Hall, Monvon received £10,000 to ensure the building and install new toilets and the Holy Redeemer Church in Pershaw was given £10,000 to weatherproof its community hall. Flyford Flavel School received £10,000 to install an outdoor play area and the Wallace House Community Centre in Evesham received £9,997 to run its community activities. Hartlebury Church of England Primary School was awarded £9,925 for outdoor gym equipment and Pershaw Volunteer Centre received £9,450 to update IT equipment and Site Concern Worcestershire was given £9,264.
3: Workers who help disabled adults at day centres across Worcestershire are set to lose their jobs due to council cuts, a union claims. Unison said 41 full-time roles have been axed at resource and connect centres across the county, including in Worcester. The union said the County Council plans to replace these employees with lower paid support workers and 22 senior members of staff as part of an attempt to save £511,000 in the forthcoming year. It warned that the changes will damage the popular service and likely restrict the types of activities that the centres can offer. Peter Fennell, a caseworker for Unison, said, The immediate consequences of the decision are the displacement and ultimately the dismissal of numbers of committed and experienced council employees, many of whom have given a significant amount of their working lives in providing support for people with learning disabilities. In the view of Unison, it will diminish what has always been regarded by service users and their carers as a high quality and highly valued service. I think some of the activities might not take place in the future. The job losses were announced in December, and the new service is due to start on the 1st of April. Mr. Fennell said Connect Centre Community social workers and resource centre officers have lost their jobs. The council said the community access worker will continue but could not confirm the number of job losses. A spokesman said, we have worked hard to ensure all people who are currently receiving services from this group will continue to do so. All posts that will be lost within the restructure will be replaced with a different role. We are working closely with individual staff to try and find them alternative roles. The council said there was a consultation on the changes.
1: A first aider who came across an overturned car and helped those who were injured is urging others to learn skills to be able to act in an emergency. Sam Burston said learning first aid is crucial as you never know when you will turn a corner and find a situation like I found. The 37-year-old said he was driving along Jubilee Drive on the Morven Hills when, at the junction with Jubilee Drive, he was flagged down by two men saying their friend had been in an accident, the road was blocked, and hit that he would have to turn round. Mr. Burston from Colwall said, "I asked if anyone was, o- everyone was OK. They replied saying that their friend was bleeding, but that an ambulance was on its way." Concerned for the welfare of the driver and any passengers, I insisted that I have a look. I was shocked to see the car upside down with a roof caved in on a perilous section of Jubilee Drive and it looked serious. Fortunately, everyone was out of the vehicle unconscious, however the driver was in shock and covered in blood. I have had basic first aid training and fortunately I was able to perform first aid applying a compression bandage to the young man's bleeding head and bleeding hand and another bandage to one passenger's deeply cut hand. I was able to reassure the driver, who was suffering from shock, that he was OK and none of his friends were seriously hurt. Once the paramedics arrived, I was able to inform them what I had done and let them take over. Later on, I discovered the driver and passengers were OK from police who blocked the road. A West Midlands Ambulance Service spokesman said, We were called at 8.40pm last Monday to reports of an overturned car. One ambulance attended. There were four patients in total. A man was conveyed to Worcester Royal Hospital. It is always a great relief when ambulance staff arrive to find first aid being given, like this gentleman was doing. While we give advice during a 999 call, it is always useful for people who have a basic knowledge of what to do. Mr Burston, an area manager for estate agent Glasshouse, added, I spend a lot of time on the road and I always carry water, a good first aid kit and a torch in my car just in case. I encourage all parents of newly qualified drivers to provide their children with the same and better still do a first aid course.
0: Fire service bosses are urging locals to get their chimneys swept after a spate of blazes involving chimneys and wood-burning stoves. Worcester and Hereford firefighters have been to around 30 chimney and wood-burning stove blazes in places including Hindlip, Holt Heath and Malvern since early February, while 10 of these fires took place between the 1st of March and the 8th of March. Station Commander Amy Bailey from Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Services Community Risk Department said, to keep you and your family safe from fire, make sure you have your chimney swept regularly, depending on what fuel you burn. A stove or open fire can be an ideal and pleasant way to keep warm, but without proper maintenance, a chimney can become dangerous. The Hindlip fire, which took place on March the 7th, was caused by a wood-burning stove. Two crews from Worcester and Droidwich used special equipment to put out the blaze in the chimney stack. In addition to the blazes in Hindlip, Hold Hold, Hold Heath and Malvern, there were also two in Evesham, one in Harvington, one in Wickhamford, three in Kidderminster and several in North Worcestershire and Herefordshire. Station Commander Bailey urged residents to make an appointment with a registered chimney sweep in If their chimney is due a clean, she added that locals should take care and avoid fireplace blaze. These tips include using a fire guard to block sparks and hot embers, properly putting out fires before heading to bed and keeping chimneys and flues clean. Station Commander Bailey also said (coughs) people should not burn rubbish nor use flammable liquids such as petrol or paraffin to light a fire. Further chimney safety and advice and details of local chimney sweeps are listed on the Fire Services website at www.fwfire.org.uk under the Safety and Advice section.
2: There's no doubt it's easy to be wise after the event, almost any event but Poick Hospital, the former psychiatric establishment for the mentally ill, midway between Worcester and Malvern, has copped a lot of flack over the years for using LSD as part of a treatment programme for patients. Few had heard of the drug in the 1950s when the trials began, but by the mid-60s LSD had become the substance of choice for the far-out and stoned hippie movement, and in the glare of public Sorry, in, in the glare of publicity its use at poet was stopped in 1996 thereafter the image of the old hospital has been under a cloud which is rather a shame because a lot of good people worked there and a lot of good work was done in what had always been a difficult field it's 30 years now this month since the place closed and there will be a chance for some of the former staff and patients to remember old times the good and the bad when a reunion gathering takes place at the Crown Inn Poick on Wednesday, March the 27th from 10.30 till 12.30pm. The, the huge rambling hospital complex operated for more than 130 years, but virtually all physical evidence of it has long disappeared bulldozed down by the developers in the early 1990s to be replaced by a layout of smart modern housing with patios, neat lawns and cars on the driveways. Only the architecturally protected main building, a red brick edifice called White Chimneys and the old hospital superintendent's house remain. The former has been converted into apartments and the latter to offices, Of the rest of the hospital, which had 1,200 residents at its peak, there is no sign. But for people who lived nearby or passed by and looked across at the grim complex of brick walls and little windows, there remains a fascination with the place. It was founded in 1847 as the Worcester County Pauper and Lunatic Asylum and officially opened in August 1852. As early as the 1870s, doctors at the hospital were showing a remarkably enlightened attitude by holding a series of orchestral concerts there, as well as Friday night dances for the inmates. Sir Edward Elgar, as a young violinist in the district, played in the concerts from 1877 and in January 1879 was appointed band instructor. Few people know more about Poet Hospital than Worcester historian and former university lecturer Frank Crompton. He's been researching its history and patients for more than twenty years and assembled around three quarters of a million words on the subject. It made you weep inside to hear him say children had been dispatched there for no other reason than that they were born deaf, unable to communicate properly, and they were deemed mentally ill inadequate and sent away. Tragic doesn't begin to describe it. The hospital's 48-acre site on the edge of the village, looking across to the Malvern Hills, was deliberately chosen because government regulations had two main requirements. Firstly, such asylums should be close to main roads for ease of patient transport and secondly, the site should fall away to provide an attractive outlook for residents. Dr Crompton explained a ha-ha surrounded the hospital grounds on the Malvern side so there were no interruptions to the views of the hills. The impression was one of freedom, but the reality was quite different. (coughs) Between its opening and eventual closing in 1989, about 36,000 people went to the asylum at Poick and in its early days there was a preponderance of certified maniacs from urban uh, urban areas in the north of Worcestershire, such as Dudley, which was then within the county boundary. This did not necessarily imply there was a higher percentage of mad people in Dudley, Dr Crompton added, but the population lived closer together in places like that and eccentric behaviour felt more threatening. It was more easily noticed and brought to the attention of the authorities sooner. You could probably be a maniac in rural areas for quite some time before anyone noticed. Patients were transported to Poick initially by horse and carriage and later by train to Worcester and then onward vehicle. The asylum had originally opened with two separate wings, one to accommodate a hundred men and the other a hundred women. There were five wards and separate staff on each wing. However, it didn't get off to a particularly auspicious start when the first medical superintendent committed suicide after only 18 months. Thereafter, things settled down and the complex expanded as more buildings were added. They were selling the notion that you could cure insanity, said Dr Crompton. In reality, there was little they could do for the majority of patients, also, some people were sent to Poick Hospital and other institutions like it were not mentally insane at all. One young girl was admitted for moral insanity after stealing ten shillings from her father, and there were more like her. On the other hand, some patients were seriously disturbed. There was an occasion when the asylum had two men who both thought they were William, the Fourth. They were put on the same ward, but a fight broke out and one cut off the other's nose. They were removed to separate wards and a note in the superintendent's diary read, After that, we decided one William IV per ward was quite enough. (laughs) The positive side to Poec Hospital for many of the poor patients was that they were safe from the hardships they would have endured outside. They had food and a roof over their heads, clean bed linen and regular health checks. Head lice were unknown, as were some of the eye problems that affected the poor. The hospital had its own farm and brewery, because the water in the nearby Carey's Brook was not good, and it was the first place in the area to be lit by gas, after oil lamps were found to be a danger. During my research, I came to revise my ideas
0: about the Poet Hospital considerably, said Dr Crompton. And that brings us up to nearly the end. We have time for lighting up time is 18.10 to 6.26. Um, donations have been received, thank you very much, from Joan Johnson and Collection Box at the winning post. So many thanks indeed for that. We wish a very happy birthday to Mandy Atkinson on the 22nd of March and if anybody else's birthday is around this time and we haven't mentioned you please let us know because we would love to announce your birthday. Emergency phone numbers for out of hours medical assistance is from 6 until 8pm is 0300 123 and the NHS number for non-emergency help is 111. The Malvern Theatre um, is 01684892277. Worcester Live is 611429, which covers the Swan and Huntington Hall. Worcester Hub number for council matters is 765765 or 722233. Crime Stoppers is 0800555111. Our phone number is 01905. Seven six seven seven six six, and our address is Eleven Wiles Lane, Worcester W R five one D A. Our website address is www.worcesterTalkingNews.org.uk, on which you can find all the recordings for the weekly news and monthly magazines, and much more. Um, listeners are kindly reminded that we have an extensive library of talking books, fiction, thriller, thrillers, romance, etc. Talking books are available in many forms, um, tape and CD, and we can provide a list of books in the library in large print, hard copy or tape. Please leave a message on the answer phone 01905 767766 or put a note in your talking news wallets if you want any of the um, selection of books. And don't forget that the obituaries are after the final music. We greatly value your feedback, likes and dislikes, or changes you may like made. Just let us know by phone or a note in your envelopes, and we'd love to hear from you. So from all of us tonight, good night. The thought for today is Luke 18 verses thirty five, thirty eight, forty 38, 40 to 43. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. And Jesus said to him, receive your sight, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. And these are the obituaries for this week. Joyce Alice Brown sadly passed away, age 87. On February the 26th, the funeral services at Worcester Crematorium on March the 22nd at 10am. Ronald Douglas passed away peacefully in hospital on February the 28th, sorry, on February the 20th, age 91. Funeral service is at Worcester Crematorium on March the 15th at 10 a.m. Malcolm Kenneth Nibbs, formerly of Powick, passed away in Australia. Eileen Mary Mason, known as Mary, passed away on February the 12th, aged 93. The funeral service is at St George's Catholic Church on March the 15th at 12.30, followed by a committal at Worcester Crematorium. Kenneth Sidney Pegram, known as Ken, passed away on February the 9th, aged 82. A service is to be held at Worcester Crematorium on March the 28th at 1 p.m. John Edward Rillington passed away peacefully on February the 21st, aged 75. The service is at Worcester Crematorium on March the 18th at 2:30. Muriel Rogers passed away at the Haven residential home in Droitwich, aged 95. The funeral service is at 12:15 on March the 20th at Worcester Crematorium. Ivan Neville Taylor passed away peacefully on March 5th aged 80. According to Neville's wishes there will be no funeral. Hilda May Hines of Juniper House passed away on February the 21st aged 107. The funeral service is at Worcester Crematorium on March the 19th at 1:45. Michael Andrew Sutton passed away suddenly on February the twenty seventh, age fifty four. The funeral services at Worcester Crematorium on March the twenty first at one p.m. George W Haywood, formerly of Hanleys and Morganite Crucible, passed away on February the seventeenth, age seventy eight. The funeral services at Worcester Crematorium on March the eighteenth at one p.m. Mary Jane's of Winfield Road passed away Northwick. Northwick Grange Residential Home on February the 26th, age 94. The funeral services at Worcester Crematorium on March the 18th at 12.15. Graeme Tomlinson passed away on February the 27th, age 76. The funeral services at St John's Church in Worcester on March the 18th at one fifteen, followed by burial at St John's Cemetery. Margaret Davis passed away peacefully at Malvern Community Hospital on the sixth of March. The funeral service is at Worcester Crematorium on March the nineteenth at fourteen thirty. Moya Kurzweil passed away peacefully at the First Residential Home in Worcester on February the twenty-third, aged eighty-eight. Age. The funeral service is, is at Worcester Crematorium on March the twentieth at one forty-five. Arturo Petinicchio. Passed away in Edinburgh on March the 5th aged 88. The funeral is at St George's Catholic Church on March the 19th at 12 noon. Keith Sankey of Droitwich Spa passed away at St Richard's Hospice on March the 2nd aged 79. The funeral service is at Worcester Crematorium on March the 26th at 10:45. Patricia Grace Tipping known as Pat passed away peacefully at Worcester Hospital on February the 25th aged 92. The service is at Worcester Crematorium on March the 26th at one forty-five. Alfred Goodwin Tyra, known as Alf, former postman, passed away in Worcester Royal Hospital on March the 2nd, aged 87. The funeral service is at Worcester Crematorium on March the 28th at 10.45. Sorry, March the 20th at 10.45. John White passed away peacefully on February the 10th, aged 82. The funeral is at Ashwood Cemetery on March the 21st at 315. Terence Frank Burt, known as Terry, passed away in St. Richard's Hospital on February the 28th, aged seventy-two. The funeral services at Worcester Crematorium on March the 29th at 1 p.m. Edward William Caulfield passed away on March the 2nd, aged 89. The funeral services at Worcester Crematorium on March the 20th at eleven thirty. Tom and Iris Foot, aged 95 and 96, passed away on January the 25th and February the 16th. Their joint funeral will be on March the 22nd at St George's Catholic Church at 12 noon. Edna Rose Freeman passed away on February the 28th, aged 99. The funeral service is at Martin's Church on March the 21st at 1pm, followed by committal at Worcester Crematorium. Beryl Skip passed away on March the 6th, aged 89. The funeral will be at Colwell Bay on March the 21st. Betty Doreen Wardle, née Powell, passed away on March the 8th, aged 87. The funeral is at Worcester Crematorium on March the 21st at 10 a.m. Our thoughts and prayers go to all the family.